This is Guys Read Romance, where I, romance author Margot Radcliffe, politely strong-arm my male friends into reading and chatting about romance novels with me for an uncomfortably long period of time. On the podcast today is my old friend Kevin, a fellow proud West Virginian. Kevin has a doctorate in education, is that right? And has sadly lived in all over Asia for the past decade. Uh, so I feel very lucky to see him electronically today. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Thanks. Anyway. Thanks. Yes, my, my doctorate is in, in education. So so well done there. <laughs> did I miss anything important? I got no, West did, Virginia. Did. West Virginia is probably the most important piece. Uh, so you got it all. Oh, and I'm married. That's important. <laughs> Right? Married to my also dear friend, Matt. Um, <laughs> all right. So welcome again. And so we are today are talking about The Beautiful Thing Shop by Philip William Stover. But before we get started with that, tell us a little bit more about like what you read, what you if you write, kind of the last book you read. Give us an idea. Um, all right. So my what I read, <clears throat> mostly emails. <laughs> Um, for sure that is the largest content I consume and the other stuff is not is equally less exciting I read a lot of research articles education journals all stuff that's related to to my my degree I'm not good at pleasure reading at all Um, in fact I feel guilty I think if I have time to read then I should be learning something for for work that's funny. All right. And so that's pretty heavy stuff. And you kind of kind of touched on this. So why haven't you read romance in the past? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, of time. I, I have, and in fact, on my table right now, I have a mound of, of articles I want to read and I have, I have them stashed all over my house. So whenever I'm going on a plane or anything like that, my secret thing is just to grab a handful and try to do it on the plane or at the beach or wherever I am at this downtime that I think just getting it cleared off my plate is actually my mental, best mental health strategy. So I just haven't read because I, I just feel guilty for reading for pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's it. Well, do you think up until the last couple of years, not a lot of gay romance existed up until recently? So I mean, would you do you think if it had been available to you, like growing up, you would have read more of it? Uh, probably like, especially growing up in West Virginia, there was probably, uh, and, and where I'm from in West Virginia, which is, is really rural, there was zero <laughs> content. I can tell you that. Um, and, and even now I can say, um, in fact, to be fair to West Virginia, there wasn't much book access <laughs> just to say that. And if there was book access, it, it wasn't gay romance. I can tell you. Um, and, and again, not knocking West Virginia. I love that place, but there just wasn't a, it wasn't a lot of literature. It wasn't a literature rich environment, sure. but to even now, like if I was walking through an airport or something and I saw a gay romance novel featured, I probably would pick it up and read it. So yeah, I think if it was more accessible and more convenient, then I probably would do it. And I know it's out there on the internet. I'm not a big digital reader. I like the old school book. I like to see the progress. I like to bend the pages Uh down. So I think that that also is kind of less, it's ironic because there's more gay romance, but there's less access to the actual books. Yeah. All right. Okay, great. Uh, I'm sorry you don't read more for pleasure. Well, let's get into this book. Well, actually, the first thing we're going to do is play a game just to kind of loosen things up. Not that we're stiff people, but... I like that you loosen things up. Yes. It's a... (laughs) It's a very very loose podcast. Oh, God. All right. So this game is, do you believe that this sex scene is written by a man or a woman? All right. Are you ready? I am ready. It's just guess. I have 50-50. Yep. It's 50-50. All right. My head thudded against the glass, heat pulsing through my blood from the point where his tongue was driving me mad. My leg flexed against his back, urging him closer. My hands cupping his head to hold him still as I rocked into him. Feeling the rough satin strands of his hair against my sensitive inner thighs was his own provocation, heightening my awareness of everything around me. (laughs) (laughs) You're blushing, and it's funny. (laughs) All right. Not that anybody can see that, but... (laughs) 
so red. All right. That's the first one. <laughs> and this is the second one. As she brought my penis to life, I looked down at her strong back, at the junction between the contours of her shoulders demarked by the straps of her brassiere and the elaborately decorated instrument panel of this American car, between her thick buttock in my left hand and the pastel-shaded binnacles of the clock and the speedometer. Encouraged by these hooded dials, my left ring finger moved toward her anus. Do you want to guess which one is which? Oh, so I do know one's man and one's woman? Yes. Is the first one a woman and the second one a man? Yes. Good job. The first one was Bared to You by Sylvia Day. I would call her an erotic romance author. And then the second one is J.G. Ballard in the book Crash. And uh, interesting stuff there. And not to say that there's any difference between, you know, male and female, but, you know. Not to say there's a difference, but I did guess them right. Just putting it on. <laughs> you did. You um, did guess well, the right. thing that threw me off, the second one felt sounded more like a, a male, except I was thrown off by the words anus and penis, just yep. because that's very, I don't know, technical, I guess. And I was expecting maybe a bit more slang. Yeah. Well, I think that if the, in a different pairing, you could have, someone could have thought the first one was a man's. All right. Good job. You win. Continued friendship. What, what, oh. <laughs> All right. So this book is called The Beautiful Thing Shop by William Stover. I'm going to do a quick summary just in case uh, people don't know what it's about. Moving to eclectic New Hope, Pennsylvania and running The Beautiful Thing Shop is a dream come true for elegant and reserved fine arts dealer Prescott J. Henderson. He never agreed to share the space with Danny Roman, an easygoing extrovert who collects retro toys and colorful knickknacks. And yet here they are, trapped together in the quaint shop as they scrambled to open in time for, the, for New Hope's charming winter festival. Danny has spent years leading with his heart instead of his head. The Beautiful Thing Shop is his chance to ground himself and build something permanent and joyful. The last thing he needs is an uptight snob who doesn't appreciate his whimsical, his whimsy occupying half his shop. It's only when the two of New Hope's historic landmarks, each as different as Danny and Prescott, are threatened that a ten tentative alliance forms, and with that, the first blush, blush of romance. Suddenly, running the Beautiful Thing Shop together doesn't seem so bad. Until Danny's secret threatens to ruin it all. So that is the summary of the book. It is by William K. Uh, Philip William Stover. I don't know why I keep calling him William K. But I do like in my head all the time. But uh, really quickly about him, the author has an MFA in uh, I'm Take It to Me in writing. He used to ghostwrite for a popular women's fiction author. He's currently a professor at NYU. And his essays appeared in uh, Newsday. And he's also a middle grade novelist. So he's done a lot of stuff before this romance thing. So pretty impressive. It is impressive. It's going to make me feel bad if I have disagreements about something, especially if he's listening. Hi, if you're listening. <laughs> I'll get, we'll edit the bad things out. Yeah, you don't feel bad about, about disagreeing. So first question. So tell me, what were your first impressions of the cover, the blurb? Tell me some of the feelings you kind of had before you actually started reading the book. Um, I guess, uh, so the cover, it's interesting you asked that because I, I remember being like cluttered. It's like a building with a window looking inside. <laughs> there's stuff, there's chairs, there's words everywhere. So I remember just being like, okay. All right. The blurb, um, actually the blurb pulled me in. I, my dream is to find New Hope. I think it's the name of the town, right? New Hope, Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. yeah. I want to find that uh, town and I want to live there. I, I'm a Hallmark movie uh, person. You know, I, I, I went, I, I was pulled in because I, my dream is to find a small town and live in it someday. And um, sure. the Pennsylvania piece is nice. That's where my husband's from. So that's an extra, extra connection. And I like antiques. So the blurb itself was, was drawn in pretty cool. And then ironically, a connection I just made, we have a mutual friend who's involved in the antique shop. So there's a lot of personal connections there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Matt, um, I actually lent him a, an advanced reader copy of the first book in this series, which I didn't realize. So he read uh, the first one. And so 
Yeah, that's, yeah. I, and we'll talk about that later. The town and the kind of idyllic nature of it and like the found family aspect of this book, which I think is probably the what was the best part about it for me. And so, yeah. And do you think it delivered, did it deliver on the summary for you as you read it? Yeah, no, I thought the summary was was great. Maybe Maybe too much information, right? Because I feel like it gave away a little bit but I think we all knew where the story was going. So I guess that's just part of the sure. genre. Yeah, of course. In romance, it has to have a ha- happily ever after, right? That's the hallmark <laughs> of the <laughs> genre. Did you, I hope that you watched the Christmas countdown. That's everybody, everybody's talking about that for the, for the hallmark movies. And what was I going to, oh, there is a point I wanted to make. Oh, crap. I forget. Anyway, all right. Moving on, uh, second question, how did you feel about then the characters? Did you think they portrayed people you might meet in your regular life? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely anyone I think of or know, I could pull some characters from either, either some characteristics from either character. So, so they sh- certainly did. I felt that the characters were a bit like, they were really defined, like into boxes, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. Prescott, I think was his name. And Danny, you could predict what each one was going to do because their characters were so, so defined. I related personally to a little bit of both of them in the sense that, like, I hope that I'm approachable and a funny person and I I get that feedback. But I'm also, like, such a perfectionist (laughs) at work. And I also Uh get that feedback, too. So I guess, again, I, I pulled from a little bit of both, both characters. And I don't, it's not a criticism, I don't think but it's just that the they were so predictable the two characters sure well and i think that he really first of all the thing i wanted to say earlier before i forget is that i in recommending this or putting this on the list of books committed the cardinal sin that you know along with the happily ever after one of the big things that we're looking for in romance is sex and i shared this book and there is no sex in it. And so I feel like I dropped the ball <laughs> on romance writing. So I apologize. It will not happen again. But that was my disappointment <laughs> as, I, as I read the book. And, and you had read it before I finished it. So I even knew going in that that was not part of it. So sorry again. But anyway. Because I, I, I haven't really read gay romance so so i was uh-huh. going into this and i had so many and maybe this is a question for later we're off topic but like i had so many uh thoughts like oh my gosh can i read this because we we had we'd flown back home and we were doing quarantine and we were i was like well can i read this what if someone sees what i'm reading yeah it, the sex never was there which was fine <laughs> I, I didn't need it it was just like i had i guess anticipated it would be there and it wasn't but um that it was uh, it's fine without it just a surprise <laughs> i guess it's an, an unpleasant surprise anyway but we'll talk about some things that did happen later cuz i have questions all right so yeah I, move it back back to the characters yeah i did feel like but that's typical of romance you know people fall into very common stereotypes and that's part of the enjoyment is that you can predict it right like that's Part of what romance is like we know like we said we know what's going to happen we're just enjoying the journey there right so definitely the characters felt a little um i guess what you're hoping for at this point when you read gay characters is like a little bit more nuance for sure and i did feel like they were kind of typical like you know gay characters that you would see on a sitcom almost so that in that aspect i can see where it would be like oh can we have just a little bit more you know shading here with people you know what i mean is that i guess that's kind of what you're trying to say yeah no exactly like maybe see some characteristics that didn't fit exactly into the profile you know, did that sure. very that, that box that they were they were they were in? Yeah, and just more well more well rounded, and it I it did to me like I even I mean I've read thousands of romance novels, and there are these you know archetypes for women and whatnot, and so I I guess I was hoping when reading about two guys that it would be a little bit that they have a little bit more nuance, and I guess. Uh, I guess they didn't, win. but uh, it was still enjoyable. They were still fun. And I, I have to say that by the end, I liked them both 
much more than I did at the beginning. Because at the beginning, it was, it took me a minute to like, it's like, all right, Prescott, we get it. You like things that are expensive. We get it. Yeah, but I think you'd be part of the author. Because I agree with you. I didn't like either one. I, I didn't like either one of them because they were so far in their areas, right? Danny was a right. bit of loose and, and Prescott was like just pedantic. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I think maybe this is part of the author's goal is like they kind of merged a little bit of those behaviors and you started to see, you know, I remember there being a quote in the book about, I think, Danny seeing Prescott in this house or something and being able to see a different lens of him. And I think that's great. I wanted more of that earlier in the book, I think. Yeah. And I just found some of the things to be just like, like I said before, a little stereotype, like a uh, the iron khakis at one point. And actually, this is a quote I wrote down, uh, iron khakis, the firmer the crease, which I thought was was funny thing to, <laughs> to have read. Um, talking about his butt, uh, obviously. <laughs> I have a lot of quotes written down here that I thought were fun, but I thought a lot of the dialogue seemed a little stilted, you know what I mean? And not how people would, would talk normally. So can I, anyway. can I jump in there? Because there was one quote that I wrote down that just, I did an eye roll. And if the author's listening, <laughs> my apologies, but I literally put the book down. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I, can I read it? Is that all right? I yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> he said, uh, this is from Prescott, the, the one that's real tight. I knew the area had a great deal of Queen Anne style from the latter part of the century, but this is the only building in the area with such exceptional Second Empire details. And I'm just like, who <laughs> says that? Or maybe people say that, but not the quote I was thinking would come out of a gay romance novel. I mean, again, it, it speaks to the character and maybe it's a, a highlight that Prescott's a bit, I, think, I don't know who it says, or maybe, no, it, I don't even know if it's Prescott. It, it might be another character, but just, I feel like I jumped back to some research articles or something. You know? It wasn't the light of fun. I found, yeah, there is a lot of like architecture and antique chat that I found uninteresting in detail, but I, at some point, I like, I kind of appreciated it. I mean, that's too much, obviously, but like, I appreciated that part of it just because it was, I felt like at least it was researched, I, which I enjoy. So, but yeah. Nobody would say that out loud. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's too much. But now I just want to give a positive, right? This is the educator in me, right? So now I want to give a positive. But then there's also lines like, I'm a Swiss clock and he's a slot machine. I loved it. That's a great way of describing the two personalities. Like you didn't need a lot of technical language there. You didn't explain it. You just showed it to me, right? Like I can visualize how I get that. So there were were some really great one-liners in there too. Oh yeah, for sure. And I have a lot of those written down. One, um, but then there were things like the hula dancer that Prescott didn't like. Just a lot of like old references that just made it feel a little out of touch. A hula dancer. It looks like a twenty. Just felt tired. Like a tired description. Uh, we've heard that joke before. We've heard it countless times. It, so there were a lot of things me like that. Yeah. The other another example, maybe not quite as old, but he said there was a 30 minute argument over the which way the toilet paper goes. And I'm like, right. that's kind of been played out a few times. Yes, like, you know, sure. I, I get where you're going with that. Like we're arguing over these detail things, but it's like, eh. And also like it, you're a terrorist if it's not uh, on the upside. I mean, like it's not. Wait, hold on. What do you mean? Like it's kind of fall. Oh yeah. Over. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, sure. we're, we, we are still friends. Thank you. Right. <laughs> we worked that out. <laughs> But yeah, at one point he says, I ordered, I ordered and right before I had to take an important call. And like, that's such a small example. Like nobody says that out loud. They're not like, I have to take an important call. You know, and it's just like, no, but I'm just like, I got to go answer the phone. Like it, it just, I don't know. <laughs> Stuff like that. But he also said Downton Crabby, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, glitter can save a lot of things, which I thought was a pretty good, pretty great quote and accurate. There was one, I'm trying to find it, and I might, uh, I wrote it down here somewhere. There was one that I absolutely loved and I highlighted it. Oh, here it is. The truth, the truth is, here's the quote. The truth is I miss him terribly. And what's worse than missing someone who was seated a few feet away? 
another great. Oh, great yeah, one. that's nice. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's a lot to like, and a lot to like about the characters, but I, it did take me a minute, and it seemed like all of that stuff, ha- like all those references, and it all, kind of all happened in the beginning. So it just did take me a second. I, I think you felt the same way. So did you find overall the writing style compelling? Were you engaged after kind of me getting into it? We kind of feel like we kind of touched on this a little bit. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel uh, compelled like that. I had to go forward. I wasn't staying up to do o'clock in the morning to, to finish right. this. Um, but I thought it was light. It was comfortable. It was fun. I was happy to pick it up and, and pick off where I was. It was casual. It didn't take a lot of my, you know, it wasn't reading an article and underlining and stopping processing. It was just an easy, light, fun read. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I and I thought he, like, I thought he did a good job from a romance perspective. Like it was clear that this was a person who had studied romance novels. I mean, he had the the two, he had, it was enemies to lovers trope, which is very, you know, super popular. He like, oh, just like it, there's, there was a lot of symbolism, like the landmarks that were different and mirroring the two people who were different and the two sides of the shop that were different and blah, blah, blah. So it was just clearly a person who had thought about it and who had oh, had studied romance or read a lot of romance. So I appreciated that part of it. And um, I enjoyed pierogies. That was something that I enjoyed the pierogi making as a Polish person. I, you know, don't, you don't often see that in, in books. So loved it. Uh, so what made you in the end want to keep reading or, or stop reading? I think... We just I, I was just curious the twists and turns that we would take. Again, I think, as you mentioned, it sounds like in the genre we all have a happy ending, which might be has a different connotation than gay romance. But um, <laughs> we all have a happy ending and, and life's great. And I think that was clear. I just was curious to, to know. I mean, I predicted there'd be some misunderstandings. There'd be some tension points. Sure. And just like... How, what they were going to craft those and the connections they would make. Um, and then just, again, it was an, it was an easy read. It was a feel good read, right? You know, things are going to work out. Yes. They always work out. Like I said, again, it took me, it was probably like 30%. That's the percent like where I was in the book where I wasn't making myself read it. But once I got to that point, it was fun. Uh, so like I said before, this uses the very popular trope of enemies to lovers. Did you enjoy that? What, you know, how do you feel about that trope in general? Um, I think in general, I, I like it. I think the, the line between like hate and love can, you know, the, the emotions, the feelings, it can get blurry. So, so I, I like it. And this story, and this is maybe my own personal baggage or whatever, um, I, I did find it a bit problematic in the sense, and my memory might have not, I might not be remembering this correctly, but I, if I remember right, Prescott came from like humble means and right. Danny obviously is like wealthier than everyone, you know, he's, he's very, right. very wealthy. And for me, uh, I grew up with, I would say humble means, you know, didn't have much and now I find myself working with incredibly, not me, but working along or with people who are incredibly wealthy. And I feel like for me to be successful in my career, I kind of had to learn what middle class meant. You know, I had to learn. And now that I'm working in this a different ballgame altogether, like trying to learn some of the behaviors and characteristics of, of the super wealthy. And I just feel like the two would never be able to mix. There's just so many deeply rooted cultural differences growing up in poverty, growing up poor, growing up in a broken homes or whatever the, the thing, the, the challenge and growing up extremely wealthy. Like I just feel, you know, even in meetings, I'll be explaining like, well, I think this person, and I'll be trying to represent two different points of view. And I, and, and I feel like personally for me, that was never addressed in the book. Like- right how difficult it would be just the, what they valued the, the emphasis and importance of value would be so so large so i found that piece problematic and again maybe it's me bringing in some of that appalachian baggage or, or whatever but uh yeah that's the part that i i couldn't couldn't get past but um it didn't mean i didn't like the book i was just like eh, this is a fairy tale <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's really interesting that that like kind of tripped you up that you couldn't immerse yourself in like what if this could happen what if i you know stumbled i like ran in an antique shop with this super wealthy man and then we you know got married and you know i lived as a chocolate heiress heir heir forever i don't think that i would ever consider oh well are we going to talk about how to talk to the butler? You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't even consider that. So that's interesting that, like, you were grounded in reality for that. Well, I think for me, the, the, the major difference is, like, this is old money, right? So Danny's, like, generationally wealthy person. You know, he would have grown up with such a different world than perhaps the other character would have. And I think like if it was new money, like someone's won the lottery and they run into this person, I think that that would be a different story. But I I do, or, or maybe those concerns could have been explored more like, but the book was about Danny hiding who he was. Um, But I think there would have still been elements of Danny's upbringing that he wouldn't have shaken off. That would have been a bit of a conflict in, in the relationship. But again, I take full responsibility for for going a bit too deep into that one, maybe. <laughs> well, I think that his dad was the it wasn't right. It wasn't his grandfather. It was his dad that was that created the business. Am I? I thought it was grandfather, but I uh, I don't. You might be right. You and if it's the, and if the author is like, no, this is you're wrong because I fully would take those points on, but uh, for some reason it got stuck in my head and I couldn't get it out. Well, I honestly, I found the chocolate thing boring. I found it like a weird choice. Why are you it just, I don't, a chocolate air felt less, less powerful. Like it felt like, I don't know, it took away some of the like romance of, of a billionaire for me, like for the money to be in chocolate. I don't know why. Like, I'm sure like Hershey family is just, they're jerks and terrible people, like probably. But for some reason, like, it just feels, I don't know, it just felt playful to me, the chocolate part of it. Well, maybe it was just a play on Hershey. This is a New Hope, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Which is located right beside Hershey. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, <laughs> don't know. New Hope it can't be a real place. If so, that's such a convenient name for the story of the plot, right? New Hope. I, I just assumed it was made. Um, so a big component, and we talk, kind of touched on this earlier, but I do think that was an interesting point. And one I just would never... I mean, the, the whole rich guy thing in the lower class or like just the poor girl thing, it's just like such a... It's so commonplace. Like I don't even think about... Oh, so is that a common theme that you see in romance? Now? Oh, for high, of course. Oh, so of I don't course. know. That. I was thinking, and again, like as in the world of education, you know, we we study uh, poverty researchers like Ruby Payne. We talk a lot about what characteristics and, and things you might see. In fact, um, I've even this was a, a bit of a moment for me. Is Matt, my husband, was going to some training workshop, and one of the presenters, I was like, "Oh, that name sounds very familiar to me," and and then. It ended up being, it was one of my counselors, my guidance counselors when I was growing up. And oh, wow. in her bio, she'd even talked about how she had dedicated her life to supporting the poor in Appalachia, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that was me. <laughs> that was me. I'm so sorry that she had to take, you know, this much of her time. But like, again, like you, I think in the world of education, we, we think so much about motives and motivations behind behavior. So we understand how to address things. And I, I kept thinking about it through that lens and just again having worked in uh, title one schools in the united states and then now working with famous politicians and uh, wealthy billionaire people there is some there's definitely different ways that i go into those meetings and different approaches and different things that i say and do and 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 different things that i know they're going to want from me so i guess i just was looking for some of that in um, in the book or some of those right. maybe that could have been the tension points you know not that he's hiding the money but but um right makes you act differently right just an acknowledgement that they're different right like because we did we did touch a lot on how prescott's upbringing influenced what he did and who he was but there was not a lot on danny's part like we're just you know he's just a jolly fellow is what we're kind of he's a jolly fellow pretending he doesn't have money because he wants to live on his own and be successful yeah and he wants someone to love him for who he is (laughs) <laughs> and not his money. 
Okay, so we talked about this before. A big component of this book is is found family. And New Hope is kind of an idyllic town of acceptance. Did, it, clearly this idea resonated with you. And do you think it, how did it add to the romance of, of it all to you? Um, I, I love the town and the townspeople. I want to I wanna read more. And I think the first book is about the end, correct? Mm-hmm, uh, I think so, so, yeah. so I guess in that sense, I kind of want, I want to, if it was a real place, I would want to do a road trip, right? So I, I thought the, the backdrop of the story really helped a lot. I love the snow scene. I think that's because I haven't had seasons for many years. But, um, <laughs> I love the snow. I thought, again, going back to like Hallmark Christmas movie, I was spot on. Oh, yeah. I thought the author did an amazing job uh, painting the picture of the town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought, here's a quote that I loved, um, on the corner of quaint and queer, <laughs> I thought, that was, thought that was cute. <laughs> and yes, that snow scene with the sledding was beautiful and I loved it. And one of the things that he wrote that I got caught on was Danny's smile is radiant, like the stars that are beginning to twinkle in the lavender sky. <laughs> thought it was that was so romance novel and um i appreciated it on just like a on a cute just sappy kind of level but i in that scene it was i thought it was i thought it was lovely yeah i i also remember that and i was like oh it's cute in this context but again this is my (laughs) first gay romance novel so i'm still learning right right but yeah i i like i mean i don't think that there were any I I mean, I don't think if there were straight characters in this book, I don't remember them. Maybe the pierogi lady. Oh, yeah. Maybe the church people. Yeah. I quite like the church, the church scene as well, which you've referenced. Um, Because that really, that was the best way that I got to know Danny. Right. Yeah. And I just thought it was something you don't see, even in like regular romance where, you know, it's trying to be more inclusive. But it's certainly nothing like this, where the whole town was just kind of a found, a found family. I thought it was nice and it really added to it for me. I thought the town itself was an interesting part of the story and possibly, honestly, the most interesting part for me. I loved Arthur, the owner, original owner of the store. I like the townspeople scenes when they're arguing about the uh, historic landmarks or whatever. I kind of found myself liking those parts more than the parts with Danny and and Prescott, honestly. (laughs) And the ones with who is the chef and the owner of the inn and they had the kids and I was like, I mean, I should read this book. <laughs> it sounded nice. <laughs> and I would I would agree. I I the the town and the characters were maybe more important to me than I would have anticipated. The other thing that you just reminded me of, and I don't know, what are your thoughts on this? Like the symbolism behind uh, Prescott living on the other side of the river. Because that was a different, was it a different town on the other side? Because wasn't he always walking across the bridge? I didn't even pick up on that. But sure, of course, that's because he never fit in, right? It took him a while to to fit in with, with people. He had a hard time, so that makes sense. I didn't real, I didn't pick up where he, if he was in a different town or not, if it was the same town just over the bridge. Either way, it works. That he's the other thing from. where I connect to Prescott on is I couldn't quite picture what the bank I think it was looked like, but yeah. I already know I agreed with Prescott and I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, like I don't care about buildings. I was like, just tear them down. Like who cares? <laughs> oh, no, so I did like the building, but it just sounded a bit like it didn't match. The, the town in my head, that building didn't match either. But Yeah, it was weird. But I also, I really like convenient parking. And so I was like, just tear it down. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to parallel park somewhere. Can you just put a parking structure here, please? It's fine. That's how I thought about it. <laughs> But also, I did. That's touching on another thing that I disliked was that guy. I didn't think we needed him. uh, This that like weird rich man that was you know used to date Prescott or whatever. He was like clearly a villain and like the world's like most stereotypical awful villain. Like I just didn't think we needed him. I he served the purpose of creating the misunderstanding, right? He created the purpose of these tension point things. But I agree. I wish I, I he wasn't my friend. But I don't know if we were meant to like him. 
I guess. No, no, obviously we weren't, but like he was not, he was just like in and out. And so if you're gonna, if you want me to believe that like something is a problem, I need to be like invested. Like I need to believe that this would possibly happen. Like I don't, like I just didn't. I didn't believe he was a real person. I didn't, be, I just, he felt like a cheap tool and I didn't like, I, but I couldn't, I had a hard time. I kept picturing the bank as like a, uh, like a Michelin man. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> curvy, like tires. It was a weird description. Yeah, I have no idea what the bank looked like, but I was with Prescott. <laughs> I, I didn't like it either. <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on. Did you find the sexual components realistic? I didn't find the sexual components. <laughs> well, no, they like made out. And then there was, this is my question, there was a lot of like nipple description and action. And I was like, I wasn't aware that like nipples were like such a huge thing for guys. And like that went on like for quite some time and they both seemed to really enjoy that. And I was like, I'm just not aware of this. And so, but other than that, they, they kissed on the bench, like all the way they thought about each other sexually, did that all read authentic to you? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the nipple thing, yep, that's up there, that's check. Um, the thinking, I, I don't remember a lot about it. I remember, I think I, it was a making pasta and, and Danny didn't like pasta in his house. I feel like there was some thoughts, some th internal dialogue there, but, I guess I did, none of it made me pause and wonder. So it did its job, right? Like that, yeah. that part went through the filter. No, no hesitation, no note taking. Good. Okay. So did there, did the relationship between the two main characters feel, and I guess we can bring that out to like the other characters as well. Did, did the relationships in general in the book seem, you know, authentic to you like with the two main or all the characters with each other well we can start with the two main ones but then um, we can chat yeah i think i think yes i feel like the the obstacles they overcame and the the personalities of the two main characters very authentic my hang-up still goes back to the some of the background piece but given what we were shown in the book and what we were told about the characters Yes, it seemed authentic. I felt like they learned enough about each other. And you see that in the merging of the two sides of the antique shop. And yeah, I I was, I, I liked everything that was presented, I thought was authentic. Feel. Okay. And the other characters, did you think the friendships seemed like believable? Yeah. I, mean, I wish we had, you go ahead. I, I, it felt like you were listening <laughs> and I love Hallmark movies. It was like you're reading a Hallmark movie, right? You have the cozy sure. townspeople and this is the, you know, the coffee shop and the inn and the, and like all the characters and they get along and everyone's a good, happy, friendly family. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the idyllic dream. It's what everyone wants. So yeah, I, I liked, I, um, I liked, I liked the characters. I liked the interactions, the relationships. It did make me hungry sometimes. They were always getting stuff from that bakery. And I was like, can we quit with this? <laughs> Just like, how many different scones do we do you have to describe to me? Come on. Yeah, and those friendships seemed authentic to me. Like the friendships between the town pe townspeople. I did 100% get Pres Prescott's awkwardness with other people. And that actually was one of the things I did like to see was over the course of it, him kind of being more comfortable with people. That was kind of really sweet to see him kind of open up and form those friendships and in general just become more likable. We didn't really see, I thought, we didn't really see that same kind of arc with Danny so much. Like we were supposed to like him from the beginning and like he kind of just, he... I guess learn to be honest, but like we didn't really see kind of that same arc as we did with Prescott, I guess. And so I that was a, a small bummer, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. What what was his transition? I think it's because he was already living the transition. He was already this wealthy person that had decided I'm going to hide it and be this other person. So we he didn't have much room. Whereas Prescott right. had a bit more change. I, I end up really, I think at the end of the day, if you know, if you have to be friends with one, which one would it be? I think it would have been Prescott 
from the beginning, you know? Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't like people who collect I here's my problem. I don't love people who collect things generally. Like people that have obsessions with a specific thing they collect, I think are creepy. So like I I appreciate <laughs> that they have this shop, but like generally and like that's maybe an inflammatory thing to say. But like people who collect like salt shaker I mean like look I'm not gonna collection shame anybody right now. But I just don't I don't get it. I don't know why you want to have a lot of a certain, like, I don't get it. Well, he, he addresses this. This is a quote in there. It's something about a cookie jar. And it was something like, it was a turning point for Prescott or someone. There was a quote that's about, it's important to him, right? Like it's a moment where Prescott starts to see, I love that cookie jar. And that's what made it special. Okay. That's when Danny is saying it, but he talks about his obsession with some of these. Yeah. And there was a quote, uh, he wrote uh, Priceless Smurfs, which I thought was funny. And like, I Smurfs are featuring too heavily in romance novels. I'm just going to say it out loud. I it, there there's a lot of references to and I don't like it's just old they're old Smurfs are, who thinks about Smurfs anymore and why am I still collecting Smurfs I mean like it's just it's over guys let the let the Smurfs go I just I don't get it but. well it's interesting because I also had a pretty strong response about Smurfs but in a different way <laughs> oh you like the Smurfs well but I no okay. I, again, grew up limited TV. We had like three channels on a good day, right? So limited radio stations. I know what a Smurf is, okay? (laughs) And this, it's like, Danny is, this is the quote, Danny is setting up a collection of what looks like plastic blue mice that live in some kind of a red plastic (laughs) mice. Who doesn't know what a Smurf is? Uh, Honestly, like, again, I... It's It's one of those things where it's like, I get he's trying to show the separation. Sure. Use a charcuterie board or something. He's not going to know what that is, maybe, but a Smurf, (laughs) like, people know what Smurfs are. I know what a Smurf I've never seen, like, E.T. or any of those movies. I know what a Smurf is. That's funny. I just yeah, it's like we, Prescott to some degree like was like an alien. He just didn't like he'd never t- spoken to people. Like he didn't know what Smurfs were. And, like it was all right. He didn't talk like as like I said before. Nobody would say the sentences out loud that he said. You know what I mean? Like it was just very. But it worked right because by the end he was a normal person who who found out what Smurfs were. That's funny. Anyway, I thought it was fine. I thought it, I was glad to have read it. Um, I thought he did a good job. Like I said before, I think it was obvious that this guy still like kind of studied romance novels. He really hit all the beats hard, like the the conflict and the and the enemies to lovers and the different different kind of contrasting characters. So he got all of it. I just sometimes it felt a little felt a little rote to me, but. But like I said, it there had a lot of redeeming things, like the the sledding in the town. Yeah. In the town. Hey, it was in the top one percent of romance bot books I've ever read. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I liked it. It was feel good. And honestly, if I see the other book, I, I probably would read it. Well, Matt has the other book, the first one. I think he has it on his whatever he reads on. Um. All right. So we've got any other thoughts about this book before we go to a diff- another game here and then we wrap up no that's it um my final thought is it's good i would recommend it it's a it's a lovely again if you're for me when i do read for pleasure it's uh, it's on vacation or something light right it's a it's a perfect book for that mm-hmm. did you feel like this it was like a and it, it doesn't have to be it's not that's not its job but did you feel like it represented you in a way that like realistic gay romance to you like this is a whole world a whole relationship that like i could see myself having or i could slip into one of these characters yeah absolutely and in fact my favorite thing about it is being gay wasn't a thing right it wasn't a a thing and and a, a connection you just gave me was that church you know which is sometimes a place that gay people don't feel as welcomed. And that was one of my favorite scenes. Now, I think it was one of my favorite scenes because you, I got to see Danny from a different angle. 
but maybe it's also because it was a different angle in a church where being gay wasn't a, a topic and people were quite supportive. And to an earlier thing you had said, maybe some thing to do in the next book would be to bring in some straight characters because the townspeople were mostly mostly LGBTQ plus type type people, but showing that like for young people who might be out there, like, hey, being gay is like, it, you know, it's not a thing as much, you know, like maybe my generation was, mm-hmm. it's just, that's part of who you are. And we're not even going to talk about it because it's, it's so ingrained or mixed in or integrated, whatever, accepted into society. Well, I did find that they, I was kind of waiting for them to, to talk about it. And they did touch a little bit about childhood was hard and they were bullied. And that was a bit, but that was a very small part of it. And it, it was clear to the reader, I think that they had kind of dealt with it. It didn't, maybe it shaped them in ways that we didn't see on the page, but it, they were themselves in spite of what happened but yeah it wasn't the conversation right well one of the most challenging things i find as a gay person and again different generation perhaps but you always have to come out when you go to a new job or when you go to a new town or you go to a restaurant or you're checking into a hotel but there's always this moment of where you're kind of like you know oh they're a gay couple or whatever i what i liked about the book is it took that away like being gay was like Mm -hmm. oh okay yeah sure great oh you got a perm okay great what you know what i mean it was like so it makes that like coming out less awkward and i think that's the world that i would i would Mm -hmm. hope that we could get to everywhere someday right i think that just culturally i think that that's what we're in the middle of right Maybe that's not how you feel, but I guess. Well, I mean, I think I'm indifferent. I've I've lived outside the U.S. for a quarter of my life, so I'm not I'm not quite sure. Are know. you not following little little Nozick? <laughs> um, I know who that is. Doesn't oh quite God. fit into my oh genre my music. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you would like it. You need to listen to it right now. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, okay. Good talk about this book. We recommend it. You're going to read the first one. And we've got another game here. And this one is, can you guess whether these uh, passages are from a romance novel or classic, just literature in general? Not necessarily classic, but like literary or classic literature. All right. You ready? Maybe. (laughs) All right. He stepped down, trying not to look long at her as if she were the sun. Yet he saw her like the sun, even without looking. Right. This is the second one. It was a kiss made in lonely dreams, a kiss that took its time, a kiss that felt so right she couldn't remember all the reasons it was wrong. I think the first one is classic. Yep. Is it is the is the second one then by default gay, uh, romance? Yes. Okay. That would have been that would have been my thought. Man, I should have I hope you're grading the other people cuz I got a 100. <laughs> Um, yeah no, what i liked about here's the thing what i liked about the classic one was comparing it to nature that was my giveaway yeah, yeah gotcha yeah they were there uh, the first one was anna karenina by the way which is most notably the book that made me stop reading classic literature and read romance because i was so sick of the women dying in class if you read any like classic novel it's like they all die and this is not a secret like everybody like they all they always die and i'm sick i was just sick of it i was in high i remember being, like being in high school and like just being like what the fuck i'm done with this <laughs> i want want somebody to live anyway and then the second one well was, now that you've ruined classical literature for me i can't wait for the second one <laughs> hey listen maybe you like women dying i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i have no comment for that statement <laughs> of course not <laughs> But sometimes it's not a happy ending, right? Sometimes. No, n- never time. Ending. No time is for men happy ending. Men should be dying equally. I mean, in proportion in, in classic literature, if that's the problem. <laughs> You're, you, you were breaking up, so I didn't hear exactly what you said. But that happens in all classic literature because men are terrible, except for you. Sorry. Just saying you're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> You know, love to your own devices, men are too. I'm kidding. Obviously, that that's not true. Um, and the second one was This Heart of Mine by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. And she's a very big romancer and also thinks that men kill women in books a lot. So, All right. So the last couple of things to wrap up here. Were the assumptions you've previously made about romance and romance books proven true after reading this book? Um, yes and no. I 
Yes, in that sense, I always thought they were going to be light and, and moving along. That was true. And and it kind of was nice to, to just read along and, yeah. And no, in the sense that I thought I thought that I was going to be blushing more. I thought that I was going to be embarrassed and looking over oh. my shoulder to see if someone was was seeing what I was was reading. And so that was not the case. But again, also okay. Well, but were you on an e-reader? How are they? They would really have to be like craning their necks to like look at what was on your. Screen. I know, but I think you know. I I think just <laughs> even if I was on a bus. Or sitting beside someone and was reading a sex scene. I maybe I'm just really, I guess, old school. I think I would be so embarrassed that somehow they knew what I was doing that I'd have to walk away. You know what I mean? Like I was expecting, I was expecting, yeah, I was expecting to be embarrassed and like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like I can't, you know, like I was doing something wrong, which is probably unearthing some deeply rooted social psychological concerns that I should talk through. But, but, um, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't feel awkward. I don't think at all. Um, well, we're going to make sure the next one has some boning in it for sure. So <laughs> read it at home, read it at home. But I remember w- your husband, Matt, one time we were all on vacation at the beach, he was reading Fifty Shades of Grey. And even on the beach, like where there was not anybody really around, I felt like he was like trying to cover the book. That was like the first book that people like were reading all over, right? And like trying to cover it up so people didn't see what they were reading. It's funny. I actually read the first like chapter on that beach trip, I think, of Fifty Shades of Grey, but uh, after the beach trip ended, so did the book. (laughs) Well, maybe you can revisit it now. After, so after this experience, do you think that you will read or watch more romance on your own? Um, Well, by watching romance, I mean, if there's like a recommended movie on Amazon, sure. But uh, reading, yeah, I'm not opposed to it. Again, like to what we'd said earlier, you know, if I was walking through a mall or an airport or something Mm -hmm. and you could tell that at a glance that it was like a a gay themed book, I would pick it up and read Mm -hmm. it just because it is nice to to read about the community. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't actively seek it out, which is unfortunate in modern age when we have less and less printed books. Sure. Well, I mean, we. I think we have the same amount of printed books. I think that there's just now more digital books, and and the books that for you know different audiences, I think are are thriving more in the digital space. I mean, there's, I you can find romance novels literally about anything at this point. I mean, monsters. I mean, like I read a book about just about minotaurs. And it was the dirtiest book I've ever read in my life. So, I mean, you can just, there's anything that you can find online now. I mean, it's kind of nice. And you don't have to worry about somebody seeing what you're you're reading. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to say before we end here? No, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. yeah, it was a good conversation. I feel like I've engaged deeper into the book than I had when I read it. They should do this often. They should call it like book clubs or something. You know, it'd be a great idea where people could just sit around and talk about their, their, their readings. Yeah, you would think that somebody would have thought of that already. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> You're a genius. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for reading the book. I know you're clearly busy with all of those emails, so I know that it took a chunk of your time. So I do appreciate it. Yeah, I think it was great. And I this was only my second or third gay romance to read. So I really unexpected i mean not unexpectedly but i you know i enjoyed it for sure and it did make me it did make me want i don't watch hallmark movies but it did kind of make me want to watch a christmas hallmark movie that's kind of how i felt when i was when i was reading it so yay yeah okay kevin that's it now tell me that you love romance i love romance <laughs>